This is First Nature on the Rise of Man podcast with your host, Sean Berry. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is Sean Berry on the Rising Man podcast featuring this uh, channel, First Nature. And uh, thanks for tuning in today. We're going to jump into uh, a little more of a unique unique share. Uh, this episode 10, I decided to do something a little more of a, a meditation. Um, just it's something for you to, uh, you know, I guess the goal here would be for you to, if you're going to listen to this, maybe hit pause until you have time to really just sit and listen, preferably outside, getting out on a trailhead or somewhere where you can just be uh, just alone, have some solo time in nature and, and listen to this. And uh, and if not, okay, you can't do it, you can't do it, it's all good. Uh, but this is more of a, a, a meditation. It's my effort and attempt to uh, just support everyone out there in finding ways to deepen uh, their connection to nature, deepen their connection to themselves. After all, nature and you and I were all the same thing. So uh, that's what we're up to today. And it's a little experimental. I really uh, chose, I did this in the field, quote unquote, again. I just put myself outside on the land, started to walk, and I just I had a little bit of idea of what I wanted to get into and bring but I really was trusting the landscape I was in to uh, to just inform me and to just speak what was coming through at that time and uh, today's podcast is the results so yeah we're gonna drop right into it but first as I always like to do put a little plug in for the risingman.org website where you can find some really great programs, especially, I mean, particularly exclusively, actually, I will say exclusively, if you are a male, a man, um, this is a great resource for you. This is a community of men we're building who are really uh, dedicated and committed and passionate about discovering their true potential, their full capacity, how to uh, be a fully connected adult human functioning in the modern world we live in and still maintaining a deep, deep connection to our source, this planet. And um, there's a variety of great programs all the way from uh, something for the single men out there who are just kind of getting out into the world and getting on their way, all the way up through uh, family men, you know, with careers and families and children and all the things that go with that and everything in between. So please do head on over to risingman.org and check out the programs and initiations tabs and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. So without further ado, we are going to drop in. And again, thank you for listening. See you on the other side. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of First Nature. So this morning, I'm just uh, walking through a redwood forest here in uh, Santa Cruz, California. This is the Nicene Marks. And uh, I really just wanted to share today mostly embodiments. I know a lot of podcasts, it's, uh, you know, they're valuable because you get a lot of information from them. And uh, I like to do that too. I love information, I love data. But today I wanted to create more of a meditative 
space. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you get the added benefit of seeing the video of the beautiful space I'm walking in. But if you're just listening, this is an episode where you'll not want to be driving. Ideally, you're on your own, got a little space and time to yourself. So if you just started this podcast, this episode, um, you might want to wait till later. So you can stop now and go listen to a, a different uh, episode, either on First Nature or just on the Rising Man. There's a couple channels. But that being said, I don't know if you can hear these birds coming through. This is an opportunity to let yourself relax, sink in. Remember, and the place I always love to start when I am remembering my connection to nature, to this planet is just with that, to remember that every day when I wake up in the morning, I acknowledge that I'm living on a planet. It's hard sometimes to think about earth as this other entity, a general entity out there in space with everything else. We're so familiar with it and our everyday lives are so familiar and and sometimes we forget in the midst of all our busyness and familiarness that indeed we're living on a planet. One of many planets in our solar system, one of thousands, thousands out there that we've seen so far. This is the only one that has all this. It's beautiful trees, beautiful greenery, water, water's so amazing. And trees, like these trees here, these redwood trees that are, you know, 100 foot plus high. And, uh, how many there are of them. That's astounding just right there. But let's just start there. You're walking around on a planet. You're driving on a planet. You're sleeping on a planet. When you get up and it's a nice day and the weather's right, you can walk around on the surface of this planet barefoot, naked if you want. You could even strip off all your clothes and just walk around on the face of a planet completely exposed. And it's safe, completely safe to do so. That's amazing that this planet has that kind of environment for us. So let's just start there. Wherever you are, just feel yourself on a planet, planet Earth. That's the third big sphere away from our local star, Sun. And if you're listening to, to this in daylight hours, if you can see anything outside your window, that isn't because of electricity, it's because of the sun. Even if it's nighttime and you're looking out your window and you can make out some shadows from the moonlight, that moonlight is just bouncing light from our sun onto our earth. And that's amazing. I like to start with this process of just acknowledging how it all happens, where it all begins. So 
this earth did its own thing for a long, long, long time. Went through lots of iterations and experimentations with life, at least how we call life on this planet with uh, the oxygen exchange and blood and sunlight. Nitrogen is a huge component in there. Uh, that's us. That's everything that lives on this planet. Just thinking about that. Moving next to water. Right, so we've got the earth. Now they've got, we've got this stuff on this planet called water. Now, if you haven't really just taken a minute to look at water, whether it's just a cup of water in front of you, or if you've got a body of water you can get to, a lake, an ocean, a river, a bath. Water is this pretty amazing stuff. And without it, we wouldn't be alive. Nothing would be alive here on this planet. And so just wanting to recognize the balance between earth and water. We need both and both are equally important. If we take one of those away, uh, we go away too. Everything goes away except for those things living in the ocean. But even in the ocean, there are elements of earth that the sea life needs. So we got earth, water, air is the next one. And even if you can hear me right now, I'm going slightly uphill. So I'm kind of huffing and puffing a little bit. Oh, I'm just taking a deep breath of air. Feeling those lungs expand. And to understand that when our diaphragm contracts and opens up our lungs and causes a vacuum where we take in this mixture of gases surrounding us and goes into our lungs, uh, little molecules are being exchanged on the surface. You know, there's all these little, um, I think they're called, actually, I'm not sure they're called. But if you look at the lung really close, right? How does the oxygen actually get into our blood? Well, that's because in your lung, technically you're bleeding all the time in your lung. There's blood on the surface inside your lung and these little, little clusters that are basically like fractals of themselves with such minuscule openings that really the only thing that's getting exchanged on the surface are molecules of waste gases like CO2 and useful, important gases we need like oxygen. And then we blow it out. If you're familiar with Caesar's last breath, that concept, there's this uh, idea that, you know, nothing new on the earth, right? There's not some place where oxygen is coming in to the earth from outer space. Water's not coming in from outer space, right? Everything we have on this planet has been recycled trillions of times, trillions quadrillions probably since it was put into motion here. 
So every breath you take, all those oxygen molecules and CO2 molecules and nitrogen and methane and uh, all the stuff that's floating around the air, it's quite likely that Caesar took one of those breaths too and had those same molecules in his inhale and in his exhale. Same with the water. The water you drink has been drank millions and millions of times, not only by your ancestors, but by peoples all over the world, creatures all over the world, dinosaurs, right? Prehistoric mammals, anything that had to drink water, drank the water that's flowing through your creeks, rivers, lakes, ponds, faucets, So in that sense, I like to think of the communion of all life, not just life that's here now, but all life that's been with us. When we breathe in and take a breath, we're taking in, we're inhaling the breath of life with all of creation that is inhaled the same breath of life. Almost like passing the peace pipe around inside council. We're all sharing that prayer of life. And with the water, similar. So when you take a drink of water, you're toasting to all of life that has drank that same water. We're imbibing with each other, like the same way the Vikings used to pass around the cup that would, it's a conical cup, so you couldn't put it down or it would just tip over and spill. And they'd fill that up with libations and pass it around and they would drink from the same cup until it was empty. They didn't want to waste any by setting it down and tipping it over. So it would just go round and round and round. And in that sense, the way the water goes round and round and round on this planet, each time we take a drink of it, we are in that circle again, celebrating life, experiencing life, being part of life. Earth, air, water fourth element is fire we can think about the primary source of fire in our awareness that's coming from our star our, our local star the star we belong to perhaps is a better way to say it since we are in its gravitational pull the sun and the sun is this amazing amazing thing right it's a star and I always like to remind myself that when I look up at night, when I'm out somewhere where there's not a lot of light pollution and I see how amazingly filled, filled to the brim with stars, the night sky is. Our sun is just like one of those stars. And from somewhere else in the universe from a different perspective, our star, sun, would just be another little dot up in the sky somewhere. But from here on Earth, it's, we're so close to it. We're so close to the star. It lights our entire planet. It's so burning so hot and we're so close to it. You literally can feel the heat coming off the burning star. 
that's how close we are to a star. That's amazing. And to look at the science of what they've figured out and how and why life exists on this planet and, and how if you're just a little too close to, to the sun or a little further away from the sun, life wouldn't be happening, at least in the way that we know it's to be happening here. And the way that the heat, you know, this planet holds a certain amount of heat and is able to def deflect the rest. You know, if this planet was just a few degrees colder or a few degrees hotter, life would not exist in the way we know it. Most of us are very aware of that fact now with all the dramatic changes our climate is going, is undertaking, going through, starting to get into. So we know now it's, it's a real thing. It's not just a scientific notion. One thing I love about the sun is you know, it makes things grow, right? Green leafy things, like these guys. Just get a close up of a leaf here. They're literally catching photons. These little flimsy green things are catching subatomic particles flying through space at the speed of light. Like a little green catcher's mitt, they're catching photons and through whatever it is they do with their science and their chemistry, convert that into a sugar, a carbohydrate. They're turning light into food. And to me, that's, that's telltale of our relationship with food. You know, so much of what we say about, about when humanity really started to take off, there's lots of different juncture points. And, um, Sorry, I'm just enjoying the beauty here. Just taking a breath. Lots of little juncture points where um, humanity kind of took a jump. And when we started to cook food, that was a big one, right? When you cook food, it makes it more edible, more digestible. You can preserve foods longer so you can go further without being near a food source. Like cooking food became this amazing transformative skill for our species. And it, you know, who knows how long it took us and how we actually started to understand the concept, but you know, the green things here on the planet have been turning, uh, you know, transforming their food with fires, so or you know, transforming, using fire to transform what they need into food. In the same way that they turn sunlight into sugars, it's the same way we turn fire into, you know, more edible food, which I think is kind of cool. And with that, we had all kinds of new opportunities to develop and grow other parts of our life because we didn't have to be so tied down with food. So that's one way sun is really powerful. It, it literally creates the food that we need. When we learned how to make fire by friction or by flint or you know finding fire on the land from forest fires or lava flows that's kind of when we started to have this more distinct relationship with the sun fire by friction i really like because 
you're we're actually releasing sunlight from these pieces of wood. They're like storage batteries. They've been catching all the sunlight with their leaves, creating their bodies, their trunks, their branches, their twigs. And then when they die back and dry out, uh, that energy is still inside the wood. Like when we burn wood, I like to think that the fire light that it gives off is literally little pieces of, you know, it's, it's the residual sunlight that is held onto all this time. Releasing the sunlight right there in front of us. You know, so the warmth of the fire is about as close as we're ever gonna get to a star without getting, you know, completely immolated, which I think is amazing. Earth, water, air, fire. These are the fundamental foundations of our life. We can't do anything we do in our modern daytime lives without those four things. We can get by with one or two of them for a little while. But pretty quickly, if we remove one of those from the elements, one of those elements from our lifestyles, we can't do our life. Even your car runs on fire, unless you have an electric car, but technically that runs on fire too. Someone's generating the electricity and either it's coming from fossil fuels still, or it comes from sun captured directly by solar panels or wind. So there's some air perhaps that uh, gives us our ability to be mobile in our electric cars as well. And as I talk, I just, uh, I'm, I'm listening to myself and I just sat down because I wanted to really just drop in deeper. There's something really magical about spending time in nature and really focusing on nature, focusing on the rocks, really looking at the rocks, looking at the trees, listening to the sounds, feeling all the textures and surfaces, smelling the smells. You know, certain times of year, you can even harvest edibles along the roadside and taste the planet. You're tasting the planet. You're ingesting the planet. Everything that's green is, you know, converting sunlight into carbohydrates and using that to manufacture itself and also by drawing nutrients and nutrition out of the soil to help build its own structure. So when you eat food, when you eat food that grows out of the land, like fruits, vegetables, grains, or eat the animals that ate the fruits, vegetables, or grains that came out of the land, you're putting earth into your body. Ergo, your body is the earth. And I've talked about this before, but I feel like it's, uh, it's important for me to remind myself that uh, my body is the earth walking around. And the consciousness and awareness that humans have developed, what we, this magical ability we have to be aware, to be conscious of our experience, to look around and, be, and to engage our imagination, engage our intellect, 
engage our creativity and to find the stories to tell ourselves, to satiate our great desire and curiosity to understand what we're perceiving about ourselves and the world around us. You could say science is one story, right? That's a very effective story. It might be the most realistic story in the sense that when we tell the story of science, we can actually apply the teachings inside the stories of science and get real world results that back up what the story is talking about. That's not true in all stories, right? There's also, you know, stories of origin. Every culture has its own origin story about how life came to be on this planet, how humans came to be on this planet. And there's lots of teachings in those stories too. And we can apply those teachings as well to our day-to-day -day life. But applying the lessons and teachings in an origin story is not going to um, help us understand how to heat our homes or to fly across the planet, right? That's coming from the story of science. But all that to say that what we use our awareness and our consciousness for the most is to tell stories, right? To convert our individual personal experience into a communicable, interesting stream of information. I mean, that's social media. Social media is like the, uh, the, the most purest, <laughs> the most purest um, stripped down uh, essence of that notion is that we're here to tell stories. We're here to share all the pieces of puzzles that we're walking around as. Right, because everybody sees the planet just a little different. Everything, everybody sees life and their life and modernity and history and the future. Everyone has a little bit of a different take on that because all of us are living unique individual lives. And if you think about our existence and humanity and the planet and our relationship to all things, it's a gigantic, massive jigsaw puzzle. And you're holding a piece. You're holding a piece of that puzzle. I'm holding a piece of that puzzle. And just like when you do a puzzle, you you look at the piece, you kind of get a sense of its shape, you kind of get that pattern down, and then you start looking for where that piece might fit into the bigger picture. And it takes, you know, sometimes it takes two or three, four or five tries to get that piece to fit. And depending on where we are and the story of how complete the puzzle is, sometimes uh, it's easier to get pieces to fall in, it's quicker if you're towards the end and it takes a lot more time, a lot more trial and error if you're just beginning. So who's, who, who knows where we're at on that metaphor of puzzle building, um, but truly uh, what we're experiencing as a species globally is, is um, unique and unprecedented in its own way from any other time in history. So to go back to the puzzle metaphor, that might be, um, it's, again, it's, I wouldn't say it's really indicating how far along we are to finishing the puzzle. But like most puzzles, um, there's always something interesting in the, in the image, right? The final image. Um, I remember when I first uh, was started to do puzzles, I, I got a jigsaw puzzle for my, I don't know, my 13th, 12th or 13th birthday. birthday. And it was a, the image was an X-Wing fighter from Star Wars. And it was this iconic 
image of it kind of flying a little bit towards camera off center a little bit and it's got us lasers firing and the laser beams like travel kind of towards camera so they kind of like look look like they're coming at you a little bit and then they go off the edge right it's really bright hot pink and um and then the rest of the puzzles like lots of stars so super hard to figure out and um and this you know kind of beat up looking red and white x-fighter dusty and dingy and dirty so it's a very darkish um, geometric looking image except for these really hot pink laser beams so all that to say you know I really like figuring out how to where the guns were on the puzzle pieces and getting all the hot pinks put together that was like the most exciting part of the puzzle there's just something that I was drawn to whenever I started to make progress on the laser beam image part of the puzzle it felt like like yeah this is like puzzles are awesome this is exciting I'm really making something something's really happening here but like I said I was building that piece out first most of the puzzle you know I had a few corners you know so it's hard to say where we are in the in the completion of the puzzle and the time we're in right now it might just be a really interesting part of the image that we're all kind of excited to put together because we want to see the image and how we do that I think is important. Everybody's got their own. If you've you know made done puzzles a few times, uh, or been around someone who does puzzles, like uh, my grandma was a huge puzzle person. I have a friend who loves to do puzzles, and every now and then I'll come over to visit, and they'll be you know in the midst of the puzzle, and sometimes they're like, "Want to work on the puzzle with me?" I'll be like, "Sure, right." And it's interesting to notice that they have their own puzzle building style than me. So again, I'm speaking metaphorically here, and this is a meditation, and we're, we're really trying to connect this all to um, being natural beings created from the planets out of the planet that we're living on, and that we're able to look around at ourselves and at this planet that built us and made us and feel the, the awe and the amazingness of it. And to listen to the crows. Uh, join in the fun. But as, as humans, we do have this um, proclivity for curiosity, right? We're curious. I think most animals have some sense of curiousness. Um, I don't know if it's the same quality because usually their curiosity is around food, water, safety, right? They're kind of poking around to meet their basic needs. And I think humans were the same way. That's why we sort of had the curiosity gene because it helps us make sure we get what we need. But now, and you know, for a long time now, uh, we've had our basic needs pretty covered. Most of us don't even really need to be that curious about how we're gonna meet our basic needs. So what have we done with our curiosity since then? Right, this ability to, uh, to be awestruck, to wonder, to question and investigate and, and uh, imagine with our curiosity. And even I, in this podcast right now, I'm just getting really curious, you know, and kind of building out this picture, this metaphorical picture of putting the puzzle together and, and being very curious about like, well, how accurate does that metaphor work? And when I kind of pop out of my conversation right now and just sort of look at my surroundings at these amazing trees, 
there's a different kind of curiosity that comes up. There's a curiosity that suddenly loses interest in figuring out how the puzzle gets finished and gets really interested in experiencing the connection. So now we're looking at you know, moving from being the, the puzzle maker, the puzzle builder, the role of that, into what's it like to be the puzzle piece. And again, with our beautiful capacity for imagination and creativity, we can project ourselves into that metaphor, into that puzzle piece, and start to feel what shape we are and where uh, we protrude out like a puzzle piece and where we kind of notch in as a puzzle piece. And I know when I'm holding a puzzle piece and kind of deliberating on where it might go, I kind of fiddle with it, right? And I feel its little nubs and I can get my kind of thumb along like the sharp corner edges where it goes into an indentation cutout piece. And there's a sense of wanting to know the piece. Not with, my, not with my intellect, with my senses, to recognize something about the shape and the form and the recesses and the surface area. So putting ourselves into the mind of the puzzle piece, being the puzzle piece, seeing ourselves uh, as uh, part of the picture and knowing that we, the more we can learn our contours and where we project out into the world and where we recess from the world, where our corners are, where our curves are, um, what is the imprint of the image on our surface, the more we'll know where we fit in to the big picture. And for me, a big part of that is not thinking so much about what the picture is, like what is the actual picture, but just do I fit into, you know, where do I fit into the picture? The picture's kind of, for me, it's not that important. It could be a picture of anything. It could be the pink laser beam of the X-wing, or it could be the, you know, the clump of rocks at the base of a waterfall on a very picturesque puzzle. Um, but for me, I'm more interested in where do I fit into the picture? and getting to know myself more, particularly out in nature, is where I come most in touch with understanding that I am a piece of the puzzle and you are too. And the way I like nature fitting into that is again, nature's the foundation of everything. I'm trying, I'm trying to think metaphorically how it might work with the puzzle. Um, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. So we can drop the metaphor for now. And because I can feel my mind starting to kind of get engaged a little more intellectually with the metaphor. And as a practice, as a meditation, we can just let that drop away. let that drop away. Maybe you found yourself getting caught up in that idea too. What's the metaphor of the puzzle piece? Or maybe you were tuned out. Wasn't really, you weren't really responding to that metaphor. 
And again, this is great to observe how our minds, right, our, our capacity to imagine and uh, create and make story can take us out of the moment very, very easily, very quickly. And I wouldn't even say being taken out of the moment is bad. I know there's a lot of um, initiative, a lot of, a, lot, a lot of messaging out there about being present, being present, being present. And I do think that is vitally important. But we also do have this amazing ability to imagine and create and to tell story. And when I find myself in one of those three modes, I'm not present to the reality around me. I'm present to something else that's being generated within myself. And that's pretty powerful too. I think a big part of the learning journey as humans is how do we take being present in the moment to the exterior outer world around us and the people outside of ourselves and things outside of ourselves. The presence that most messaging is pointing to and have it fit nice and snug like a puzzle piece with this other presence we have that we can come into contact through our imagination, creativity, and making meaning of things. Because we're both, we're both. That is the human. The human can be incredibly present in the moment and incredibly caught up in other realms. And by and large, our, our cultures and all that we have done with uh, the learning we've acquired through our technology and capacity to investigate and being curious and remembering how to do things and building upon skills is because we are able to do both of those, we, you know, be in both those realms, being present to the world around us, being present to the world within us. So again, just here in nature, this is more about being present to the world around me. And I find too that if I'm not in nature enough, uh, I get pretty heavy on uh, being present with my, the other, the other, the inner realm, right? My curiosities, my imagination, my making meaning of things, um, contending with busyness, all the things I'm interacting with tend to be some kind of interpretation or uh, extrication from nature, right? So my vehicle, my, my living space, my devices, um, the coffee I drink out of a cup, uh, even some of the conversations I'm having, which might be about, you know, more logistical, informational stuff, not necessarily interpersonal. Those can keep me in that other interior realm for a long period of time, which, which feels unbalanced, but valuable. It's not bad, need to be there. Coming out to nature and doing my best to leave all technology in the car puts me back in touch with being present to the, the exterior world, the world that we, you know, the materials that we've created all of our things from, right? So nothing, and I see this a lot, nothing fell intact down to this planet from outer space 
right? Everything you're interacting with, it's made from the earth. Someone scooped up a handful of dirt and figured out how to make something out of it. That's our reality. So again, coming, coming back to the, you know, the context, the, the base level, the fundamental elements of where our life and lifestyles come from, gets me really present to the world around me and remembering that I am a part of this. You know, I'm sitting here on the grounds, looking around, I'm just looking at parts of me, right? The duff that's underneath my feet, the new uh, little clovers that are coming up, wood sorrel, uh, these amazing redwoods. You know, even on the scientific level, there is no separation on a molecular level between my hand that I'm putting on the ground and the ground itself. It's literally the same stuff. Same stuff, just in different constructed sequences. So taking a breath with that. And gonna move towards a close. And if you've been able to uh, be sitting and be in a contemplative state, uh, I hope that this is uh, bringing some new awareness to you just by following some of the cues with um, observing nature. I find when I put myself in nature, especially by myself, especially in somewhere that's relatively remote where I'm less likely to encounter other people or the sounds of modernity, so not hearing traffic, not seeing vehicles, even being you know, as far away as I can from an uh, uh, you know, overhead, like you know, at least on coastal areas, there's lots of air traffic. Even when you're out in the middle of nowhere, sometimes you, know, you can hear airplanes for miles. But we're just getting really back into that, that primitive or primeval states of where all our senses are picking up are the natural, the naturalness of the surroundings that our entire, you know, not just our species for the last, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, but all species, all living things, and not even living things, right? There's flora, there's fauna, there's mineralia. Being back in touch with those basic elements that our five senses can perceive. And just, you know, spending time remembering this, this is irrefutable. And finding connection in that. And, uh, you know, feeling myself be, being able to lean deeply into that notion that I am the earth and the earth is me. Now, I know some of you may have uh, other spiritual orientations uh, that talk about where the human came from. There's lots of creation stories too. And this isn't, uh, this doesn't really go against that because the, the bottom line is you still have to eat to be alive, right? So if you're walking around with a body, that body is made by the food you eat. It's made by the food you eat. So there's really no spiritual discrepancy there. It might feel a little bit of a stretch to you spiritually to say that you are the earth and the earth is you. 
Science will back that up, just so you know. So you can lean, rest, rest easy in that. For me, when I say that, the earth is me and I am the earth, it cuts through so much. It cuts through so much. And just to be sitting outside of nature and, and looking at, at it, you know, to be taking it in, not just with my eyes, but my ears, my nose, my mouth, my sense, sensory, tactile, you know, feeling the breezes, feeling the heat, um, touching all the things to touch and feeling the different sensations. I am the earth, the earth is me. That's a powerful meditation. And I invite you after I wrap up this little dial of monologue in a few minutes to, to remain. If you're outside, if you're able to sit down and just listen to this podcast and you still have some of that space left when this wraps up, um, I invite you to just sit there for a few more minutes and just be in that space. You are the earth, the earth is you. And to look at everything around you that's growing or contributing to the growth of life on this species and to look at it as a part of yourself, like literally, scientifically, to, to look at a leaf and, and feel into like what part of me is that leaf, not just figuratively, but also just that projection, using our creativity to look at a leaf as an, ex an extension of yourself. You know, when, you, when you're standing on the ground, particularly in bare feet, um, and imagining that you go into the grounds and then there's all these things running underneath the ground and then a few feet away a tree shoots up and then that tree is literally just a part of you. It's just an extension of you that meets you underneath the surface of the ground. When you see a bird or a squirrel, it's looking at them as what part of that is you. And again, figure, figuratively is fun and fine to do and important and valuable. But in this particular meditative exercise, it's leaning into, can you see that squirrel? Can you use your creativity and your imagination to project your sense of self into the squirrel in the same way that we can project a sense of ourself into a piece of a puzzle? And just experience that connection that comes. It's kind of like a superpower, especially if you really practice it. And within that practice of looking at all things around you as part of yourself, as you, it invokes compassion, it invokes understanding, it invokes a desire to protect and to co-create and to be in relationship. It's a huge one, to be in relationship. So wherever you are, wherever you are right now, just taking just, I don't know, 15 seconds, it's just looking around. And if you're inside somewhere, maybe there's a potted plant or if you're out the window, just see if you can dip into that just for a second. You're looking at yourself. We are the earth and the earth is us. Everything around us. It's our extended family. Our ancestry is cross species. All the old stories talk about, you know, there's the animals talk, the rocks talk, people can talk to elements of nature. That's something you can do. There's no, there's no, it's not like that force or that awareness left the earth at some point. And us modern humans are just left 
that vacuum. You still have it. It's just not how we were brought up. We weren't brought up and trained how to use it, but it's there. And just like anything that's atrophied, it needs, uh, you know, I know when I busted my kneecap in seventh grade, I had to wear a, wear a immobilizer cast for like six or seven weeks, almost eight weeks. And when they finally took it off, uh, my leg was noticeably thinner, right? And I was super scared to bend my knee. I was just so scared to bend my knee because I've been straight for so long. And the last sensation I'd had with my knee bent was extreme pain because I'm breaking a bone. Right? So psychologically, I had this fear about engaging with my, you know, mobility of my knee. So thinking about talking to nature, thinking about talking to rocks, talking to trees, it's that same thing. It's, it's, a, it's a skill that's atrophied in the human at large. And it can feel really kind of scary and edgy to, to try to flex that muscle in the same way that I was scared to flex my knee, to bend my knee. You know, but I did eventually just a little bit every day. I was super timid, you know, and um, babied it for weeks. But by sheer will and determination, and of course, you know, efficiency, I rehabbed it back to 100%. So in that same way, you can just move very gently into that fear of like, oh, talking to nature is kind of weird and I'm a little scared to do it, but just do it. Make relationship with the natural world around you. If you have one already, deepen it. Find that extra time to get outside. I have a fantasy that in the future, all future, uh, you know, whenever there's uh, international incidents with wars or people transgressing each other on the, you know, national level, the way that it'll get ironed out is we take the leaders, whoever they are, and we send them out to nature with no food, just water. And we draw a big circle around them and they have to sit there until they figure it out. And they can't come out of the circle and they just have to be in nature, exposed and get into real talk. Not just ideological talk, but real talk about what sustains us as humans across the board for every nation everywhere. And how all the beliefs and systems we've built up and values and ideologies around who we are as people and who we are as nations and who we are as a modern world, that's all sitting on top of this old, 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 ancient, ancient beingness, the human and the planet. We go way back. So it's just a process of excavating down to that core foundational truth, the earth, the water, the air, the fire of our sun. That's it. Sitting here now, just slowly deepening, you can probably tell 
I bet if I scroll back to the beginning of this podcast, it's going to sound really distracted and kind of fast talking. But just in the you know time that I've been sitting here sharing, just being in this beautiful silent place, I can feel my system start to regulate. I can feel some of my um, temporal fears about just all the little things in life, all the concerns, all the obligations, all that seems to be slipping away right now, melting away. And it's not that those things are not important and need to be attended to, but I'm transitioning. I can feel myself transitioning from being present to that internal world and all this going on with the mind chatter and the busyness of life. And I'm becoming slowly more present to the world around me, the exterior world, being present in the exterior moments. So it doesn't take long. And I know from my own personal experience, the more I practice it, just like anything else, the easier it gets, the more efficient it gets. Instead of taking 20 to 30 minutes or an hour to feel that transition happening, um, it can happen in you know, 10, 15 minutes. Because we give ourselves that gift, you give yourself that gift. And it's a gift. I don't know what this planet's gonna look like in you know 50 years, but we're all under understanding uh, that we're. All, I mean, I know most people I talk to. There's, you know, the, the consciousness around the awareness just around nature and Earth is like everybody's on board now. It's terrifying. It's it's a terrifying story that's bringing us back into con contact with nature. But it's also a beautiful story because all that awareness and all that connection is just waiting for you to step into. And I do feel that is how we remain in alliance and integrity and in harmonic, you know, systems with the rest of the earth is just by spending more time out in nature. So if you want to be part of the solution, um, be part of nature. Take a few breaths. Maybe you're feeling your body relax and just getting more calm. You can hear your mind starting to quiet down, so the chatter is less. just feel the, the luxuriousness, the luxuriousness of that state of being, just being present, balanced in the presence, balanced to the present, the presence we bring to our internal world and the presence we can bring to the external world. And like everything in the universe, it's not about standing in that balance, it's about the pattern and routine of oscillating back and forth, vibrating, like everything else in the, in the universe does. So for me, balance is, is not stagnating. It's not becoming still and stoic. 
in one place. It's learning how to move back and forth across domains with ease and healthy regularity, healthy uh, regulation, regular healthiness. I don't even know how to say that. But that sense that it's both, it's both ends. And once it, and, and when we come back across, you know, we're crossing the middle all the time. If we're oscillating well in balance, we're always crossing the perfect middle points. And there are those moments where we go like, wow, I'm so present and I'm right there and we want to hang on to it. But that's not natural. That's not natural. Enjoy it, enjoy it, savor it. It'll come back again if you're practicing that, that uh, balance, right? So just feel that back and forth, that back and forth and savoring those beautiful moments where we're just like perfectly placed in the middle and everything seems as it should be within ourselves and outside of ourselves and then say goodbye to it until it comes back again and see if you can start to notice what is, you know, what is your pattern of oscillating back and forth, you know, typically we're out of balance. So usually we're like oscillating really heavily to one side and, and not really experiencing a lot of depth on the other side. So how do we fix that? How do we improve that? Well, I'm sure most of us are oscillating on the internal awareness side, just getting caught up in our thoughts and um, society and culture and the fast moving temporal worlds. So the fix really is just getting out in nature. Just getting out in nature, ideally getting out in nature by yourself. So just doing what I did today, you know, I was just driving by knowing that I wanted to get this, this podcast out <clears throat> and also knowing that I needed to get in nature. It's been a couple of busy weeks and I haven't had a lot of time to get outside. And uh, I just drove to the closest park I could and just started walking. And I was looking for a trail that wasn't heavily traveled. And I've given myself this time here and I can feel the balance. I can feel the balance. I feel like I'm just arcing across that perfect middle spot right now. And I think that's where I'm going to leave it because as I cross back over into the side where I'm present to the world around me, I can feel this desire to, to just done, to be done with being distracted, to be, to, to be done thinking about my thoughts and talking into a device, right? It's time, I'm, I'm coming to the other side now and there's this natural draw to go and be in it and be with it. And to know that that'll be great for a time. And that at some point I'll be like, yeah, I'm thinking I want to turn back. Thinking I want to get out of my day, check in with some friends, uh, get some work done, whatever it is. Right. And there's going to be that moment where coming out of it, there's going to be a sweet spot savoring that and just enjoying the time that comes next with being engaged with all the stuff that we create within here and project outward. One more breath. So please find a, please find a time to get outside and enjoy this for yourself. If you weren't able to do it now, do it with somebody, right? Hold each other accountable. You can totally get a friend and go someplace together, right? Even just get down the trail a little ways together and then just find a little time to break off and get solo time. And then come back and tell that story of what, what that was like. Super simple. And then you take that back into the, the world with you. 
when we have that in us, when we're embodied with it, uh, when people come in contact with us, it rubs off on them. It's a gift. Not only is it, is it a gift for us to get out there and experience it, but it's a gift that we then take back to the people around us. When we're, when we're walking around in a balanced state, we're promoting balance. When we're walking around in a connected state, both within ourselves and without ourselves, we're promoting that, right? There's, there's a frequency and a vibration that comes that we emanate and people pick up on it. Maybe not consciously, but we all understand, um, you know, we've all had that experience where we've been around someone who's just got a charismatic sense to them that really appeals to us. We can't really put our finger on it, but it just feels good to be around those people. And that's all of us for somebody. Ideally, if you're you know, doing your work or doing your play, finding that balance, being connected. Last breath. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to the rest of my solo walk right now. So thanks for tuning in and um, hope you found something useful, heard something useful. I hope you feel inspired and um, just more wanting to be engaged with the outdoors. It's incredible. It's incredible out here. I'll see you next time. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in and taking a listen. That's the show for today. And um, really appreciate you spend the time to, uh, to take in what, the, what we're trying to drive home here, what I'm trying to drive home, um, that we are not separate from this amazing planet we live on. We are this planet. It is us. We are it. And, um, you know, if you like what you heard, uh, it really helps to um, help other men find the podcast when uh, the podcast gets bumped up in searches. And the way that happens is when you hit the like button and subscribe and leave reviews, uh, you know, the internet logarithms kick in and it just, uh, it gets this, uh, the, this podcast and the rising man podcast in general, which is, uh, I think four different channels. Now it just gets it in front of men who might be looking for this information and might get something from it the way that you perhaps got something from it. So please do help the other men out there, uh, find this and, um, Really appreciate you taking the time to do that extra little, uh, you know, hit for us. Um, I think that's it, man. Uh, thank you so much to uh, Rowan and Julian, our duo power team, who are the ones who take uh, all these recordings and videos and uh, mix them down, pretty them up, and get them up and posted, and write the, uh, the content review and all the stuff they do. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, it's a lot of work. It takes time. And um, they're knocking it out of the park for all the Rising Man podcasts. So thank you guys. And um, yeah, kind of sign off for now. Tune in next time. And until then, find out who you are inside by getting outside. <laughs>